lot of times we have missionaries here that uh, we love them, we praise God for them, but they're starting, we're starting to get old. And there's nothing wrong with getting old, which means we're closer to heaven. But I got to tell you, to see young people saying, I'll go, send me, uh, has just, it's just, it thrills me. It is a blessing. And I appreciate uh, so much some of the things that, that Joel said down downstairs and during the Sunday school uh, hour, and what a blessing that was. So, uh, Joel, come, brother, and share with us what God has placed on your heart, and I'm sure he'll be introducing Leah to you, but if he doesn't, that's Leah. Uh, the woman he was sitting next to, that's his wife, and so we're, uh, we're just excited and delighted to have you here. Come, and we're going to have a word of prayer before you, before you speak. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you now, and as Joel shares with us what you've placed on his heart, we just pray your blessings on his life. We pray your blessings on his message. Father, we thank you for his calling, for your calling on his life. And Father, we pray your protection over him and his precious family. Father, we pray that you'll use them in a mighty way to reach a world that's in such darkness with the light of the gospel. Father, we pray for courage, we pray for stamina, we pray for wisdom for this brother, for his wife, and for his children. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Good morning. It is so good to be here. <clears throat> We're just getting over a cold. I'm just going to let you know. But it was days ago, so if I've shaken your hand, you're not going to catch anything. It's just the leftover in the head. I don't know what's going on here. but um, Oh, you know, I was just reading a little about that virus over in China. Y'all pray for that. Um, the third case was announced in the middle of the night last night here in the United States. Y'all pray for that. I know it's, it's spreading. I just thought about that. But thank you guys so much for allowing, uh, allowing us to be here. What an honor it is. Uh, we, we've traveled a lot recently. We started our deputation to raise support all the way back on September 1st. We are, uh, you guys are the lucky 25. This is the 25th state since, since September 1st. So, uh, but I, I don't think we're going to make the 50. Um, <clears throat> not this time. But uh, yeah, we're just, we're super excited to be able to fellowship with you guys. If you would like uh, to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 1. If you were in the Sunday school uh, class with us this morning, I shared our ministry. That's the ministry that my wife and I and our family were actually going to do. I shared about Malaysia. I shared about uh, heading overseas and, and the, what it's like in Malaysia and the religions and the ethnicities and all that kind of stuff. But what I didn't share this morning is how we got to that point when it comes to Scripture. What were the verses that were going through our mind? How was it that we were able to get from saying, uh, uh, maybe use us, God, here in the States, to yes, God, I want to go, I want to preach your name to the ends of the earth. And uh, this, this 
these few verses that we're going to read is that perspective, okay? And I think that that's a, a neat perspective. A lot of missionaries, you should ask them, hey, what, is, what led you to this? Show me in the scripture what led me to the place where it got you to say yes to God. So as we look into this passage, look into it as uh, maybe a perspective in life as a whole or a perspective in our individual lives or, or perspective in our families, our homes, and our ministry. The question is this, and this is the question that I had to answer, is where do I fit in to this thing that we call life? We all have to answer that question. That is the question that you, that you have to ask yourself even if you're not a follower of Jesus. Where do we fit in to this thing we call life? And then at the very uh, end of the sermon, <clears throat> If we have time, I'll go over maybe a few slides from my PowerPoint, but we'll be, uh, we'll be in the back after the service for if you have any questions. We have a table for you to sign up for, uh, for our prayer letters. I just sent out the most recent prayer letter two days ago. Um, we have prayer cards for you to take home to put on the, the refrigerator or whatever you want to do with them. We have uh, just different things back there that you can, uh, you can go and look at. But let's start in verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware. Most translations say ignorant. I like that better, but it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. And he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers and that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. I'm going to share three points with you this morning. Three points. I didn't even know that. Did he put it up on the screen? That's awesome. That's awesome. You're on it back there. Woo! Does he ever get claps? Let's clap for him. Woo! Yeah. That's awesome. He was faster than I was. ha. <laughs> Three points. Number one, and this is where, remember, this is our perspective. This is where I was. This is how I, when I decided to say yes to God, we had to go through these points. And it starts in this passage. Number, point number one, do not be ignorant to God's calling on your life. Do not be ignorant to God's calling on your life. <clears throat> I cannot tell you the amount of information that Paul, the beloved Apostle Paul, our Apostle, punches into these few verses. My mom used to tell me all the time, Dude, just don't rush through. Take it word by word. Every word matters. And it is so true here. You just get so much. And as we go through these four verses, you're going to be like, wow, this is awesome. Because God just puts so much here. Uh, just the Apostle Paul, what marvelous truths. He opens with such fascinating choice of words. What does he say? He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant. Now imagine you going up to someone new, and you, you shake their hand and you say, brother, I don't want you to be ignorant. 
What kind of introduction is that? You would be like, get away from me. What the Apostle Paul is saying is you need to focus on what I'm about to say to you right now. You need to focus. Now, let me tell you this. The word ignorance, it, today, we, it, it carries a negative connotation, right? When we use the word ignorance, it, we automatically assume something negative. Do not look at it in this way. The word ignorance simply means lacking knowledge or awareness. Lacking knowledge or awareness. So keep that in mind as we move on. Move on. So as Paul is trying to capture the intention of the believers in Corinth, here's a question. How many times does God try to capture our attention? I received the calling into the foreign mission field when I was in seventh grade, sitting, listening to my youth minister. That's when I knew that I was going to go into the foreign mission field. But for the next 10 years after that, guess what? I told God no. I don't want to. I'm a homebody, you see. Georgia, if you've never been there, then I'm so sorry, but Georgia is a homey place. And you got the bulldogs, go dogs, go dogs, and you got the um it's just a great place. If if you've never been to Georgia, you got to go. It's got the beach, it's got the mountains, it's got desert almost and the and it's got sand gnats. Who doesn't like sand gnats? It's it's just a great place. <clears throat> I was a homebody. Why would I, I wanted my, my, I wanted my children to grow up with, their par- with my parents, their grandparents, right? Basically, I just didn't want to go. So the question is, how many times does God try to capture my attention? That's when God started capturing my attention. I was already saved, but, but not only that, how many of us are in a state of ignorance when it comes to God's calling on our lives, I like to call God's calling in our lives a twofold calling. Okay, I know that this is a highly debatable uh, topic about the call of God and things like that, but hear me out for a second. <clears throat> you see, we all have one calling. It's on every single person that is saved here today, and that is that we preach Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, to anyone and everyone that we're here. If you're a Christian, you're called to do that. If you're a Christian and you don't do that, you need to ask yourselves, hey, why do I not do that? We all have that calling. Let's prove it. Turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, just a a couple chapters over. We love this verse. We use it all the time. We're going to say it again. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, 2 Corinthians. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. But let's go on. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I know he's probably already got it up behind me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1, and we'll read verse 2, and then we'll skip down to verse 5. Second Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching. We sang this morning to be ready for when Jesus Christ returns. You know, Paul was 100% convinced that, God was, that, that Jesus was going to appear during his lifetime. Why is that written in the scriptures? It's written in the scriptures because Paul is giving us an example of how we should live our lives and how we should conduct our lives. We should be ready and waiting for the Lord's appearing at any moment. So we got to preach the ready, or excuse me, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. And here it goes. Ready? Verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. <clears throat> fulfill your ministry. How can you fulfill your ministry if you're not even doing that first call that, that we were just talking about, about you're a Christian and you know that it's to get the word of God out. You can't sit on this information. You know if you sit on the information, who is going to tell others about Jesus Christ? Did you know that the moment, at the moment of your salvation, when you accept Christ, when you trust in Christ, you now have the information to take it out and to present it to someone else at that very moment. You don't need Bible school and you don't need any of that stuff to go tell someone about Jesus. <clears throat> the second fold to the twofold calling is that God has specific plans for our individual lives or ministries. That is what I can't tell you how it looks like in your lives. This is what I ran from for over 10 years. Um, that might look a little bit different for you. You might be called to, to work at McDonald's as a fry cook for the rest of your life. But you know what? If you're doing it in the, in the will of the Lord and you're bringing people to the Lord, then you'd be the best fry cook you've ever been. Right? <clears throat> that is the way we are supposed to do it. If you're to be an astronaut, go be an astronaut. You're to be a preacher, be a preacher. But that is the one that I can't tell you how it is. But let me ask you this. This is important. This is a tongue twister question. What happens... Once Paul tells the people of Corinth the information that he doesn't want them to be ignorant with. What happens? They become held accountable with that information. What happens when we accept Christ? What happens when we trust in Christ? We are then held accountable for that information. So when we get to heaven and we're standing before Christ and Christ is like, here is all the millions of different uh, opportunities that you had to tell someone about Christ. What are you going to say? Why? Because he is holding you accountable because you knew the, the formula to get to heaven. Which means we too are held accountable with that information because we have received it from the word of God. <clears throat> Num point number two. So point number one was do not be ignorant to God's calling on your life <clears throat> and your ministry. Point number two, and this is the best point out of the three points. It is not our strength that prevails. It is the strength of God's and God's alone. Guys, in the next couple verses, flip over back to 2 Timothy, where we started this, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In the next couple verses, this is my opinion, okay? But in the next couple verses, what you have, I think, is the most powerful verses in the scriptures. That's my opinion. Well, let's get to it. From here, Paul continues into that explanation of what he doesn't want the people to be ignorant with. He tells them of their struggles in Asia. But concerning those struggles, what does he say? He says that we were burdened beyond measure. 
above strength so that we despaired even of life. As, in I, as I got to thinking about this, <clears throat> burdened beyond measure, above strength, I came to the conclusion that if we are following the will of the Father, this kind of burden will absolutely happen in our life. You thought I was going to say absolutely do, don't, it doesn't happen, right? No, this kind of burden will happen in our lives. That we were burdened beyond measure above strength. I'm sure we can all think of times in our lives where, where hope was seldom found, right? Even as a Christian, as a Christian, maybe in our family or in our, maybe our parenting skills or our job or anything else. Maybe you have a job where it's a pretty rough environment. And you're there for, you're there year after year after year after year, and eventually the burden starts to weigh on you, right? Because it's a rough environment, and you're, you're kind of wondering, how do I get, how do I preach to these people? How do I share the, the gospel? But Paul here, <clears throat> he's talking about ministry. <clears throat> they, had all, they had gotten to the point where their ministry, in their ministry, that hope was seldom found. The ESV, the English Standard Version, reads it, for we were utterly burdened beyond our strength. It adds the hour. I love that, that, it, that we despaired even of life. I, I, I think that's the most accurate because it shows that Paul's focus, even in the hardest of times, where hope was seldom found, was not on self, but on something else, on someone else. Right? You see, Paul accepted the risk of following God, and then just like thousands of missionaries as we speak are accepting that risk of following God. You see, these missionaries, they were once ignorant. Then they read their Bible. They became informed. Then they answered their call into the foreign mission field. You know, pastors here, every single week, they devote countless hours to stepping in and becoming Christ for those people. When a pastor is standing up and he's preaching to the congregation, the devil does not like it. He is getting beat up. He is getting beat up. That's a lot to take on each and every week. But see, they have accepted the call and the consequence of that call, whether positive or negative. So all the way back from when I was telling God all those years ago, see, it comes down to this. I was not willing to accept the consequence, whether positive or negative. I didn't want to go overseas and potentially die 50 years early. That's just not the way you look at it, right? Because if you die 50 years early, then guess what? You're going to heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Again, for we were utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired even of life itself. So there comes a time in our lives when we realize we can't do it anymore. And here's Paul. Burdened beyond measure, above our strength. We try things on our own because we are human. We tend to step backwards into law and legalism. We read about that in Galatians. Then we have those moments when we come to the realization yet again that it isn't us that is driving us forward. It is someone else. Paul is saying that these burdens were beyond their own strength. Whatever it was that was burdening them and causing despair was out of their reach and capabilities of handling. And guess what? Guess whose hands it was in? God's. 
This is exactly where God wanted Paul and his companions to be. In this state. Why? Here we go, guys. Here we go. Look at verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. What's in the resurrection? Life. Life. Where was he putting all his hope in the time where, where he was, everything was gone, right? He was, uh, hope was seldom found. He was putting his trust in the God who raises the dead. The resurrection, the life is in the resurrection. See, Paul understood it. And then it goes on, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust will still deliver us. Past, present, and future. He puts his trust in the living God, the, the God of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Life is in the resurrection. And he puts his trust. I did do it. I continue to do that. And I'm going to do it forevermore. Past, present, and future. Whoo, that's great. That's great. This is so much stuff right here. Paul knew the state he and his companions were in. He had been preaching and teaching for so many years, and he was at the point where they had hit a low. But what does he say? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. And what I like about this the most is that Paul was practicing the same things that he taught. We often say, why why should I read the Bible? Why, why should I focus on, on Paul's epistles? Why, why? Because he gives you the proof that what he is saying, he is living out as well. He's not just telling you and then going behind our back and doing something else. But not only that, from here, he gives all credit to God. We should live like that every day that we give credit for what he has done in our lives and we give credit in the moment that we're living and we're going to give credit. Can you imagine saying that? Can you imagine saying that right there? It says, God, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to give you credit from here on out. That's a pretty big thing to say. <clears throat> I, we took a church and over in Indiana for about a year and a half. And we, we dealt with a lot of things, you know, um, a lot of struggles. And it made me wonder, wow, I wonder, you know, I'm telling them the answer, right? The answer is right here in Scripture. But I wonder if at, in 50 years, when I'm going through the same issues, I wonder if I will have the strength to do the exact thing that I just told these people, right? You got to pray for these kind of things. <clears throat> we must first recognize that we were once ignorant to the truth, being blinded, like we talked about the weak and beggarly elements of the world. We must recognize that the Bible was introduced to us and we started to read it, and we started to study it, we started to become how to hold account, held accountable for it. We must recognize that we cannot stay ignorant to God's calling in our lives once we start to dig into the word of God. After one sermon one, one day, my wife asked a question afterwards. She asked me, we had just gotten back to our house. She says, why do you think people are afraid 
to dig into the word of God. Why do you think people are just surface level? And she said, because they're afraid of what they're going to find. And I think that that is the truth. See, once you start to, once you start to dig deeper, we talked about that. You're, you start to be held accountable for everything you read, these truths that you read. What if God is calling you to North Korea? You won't find it unless you start digging in the Word. Then you start digging in the Word and you receive the calling. What are you going to do with it? People are afraid of what they're going to find. I was afraid of what I was going to find. See, this is, I told you guys back at the beginning, this was our path. This is our path into where, we get, where we're at now with things to come mission. So we must recognize that we cannot stay ignorant to God's calling. We must not stay surface level in our study, in our walk with the Lord, and in our ministries. We must allow God to penetrate our lives and our hearts on a daily basis. Then after you have decided to follow Jesus and his will for your life, and when trials come, and we all know that trials come, we must step aside and do point number two, allow God to step into that place, to trust in him alone every single day, to allow God to direct our steps, knowing that it is God and God alone who delivers, and it is God who will continue to deliver in our lives and not ourselves. So as we, as we uh, answered the, the, the call into the mission field, I, I sh- I've already shared with you just we were plagued with, I was personally plagued with all kinds of doubts and questions. I was also battling what is it like to be a father, you know. We're, we have young kids, and, and I, I was trying to study in the Word of God what my role as a father was. And I I was feeling the responsibility as a father. And if I take my kids to Malaysia, does that mean that we could possibly die? And if maybe some one of my, one of my kids dies, will it, it's going to be my fault. And if we wouldn't have left, maybe that wouldn't happen. These are the kind of questions that you, you start to run through when you, when you realize you're moving halfway across the world overseas. The first day we were there, Pat and Michelle Kilgo, they came through this church a few years back. Pat and Michelle Kilgo told us, they says, hey, you could get the dengue fever, the dengue fever, whatever they call it. Dingy, dengue, dengue, doggy, I don't know. But it was serious. He said, make sure that your windows are closed tightly before you leave the house. Every single time, just drench your body in bug spray. You know, these are real things. I was plagued with all kinds of doubt. But you know what it was? I just didn't want to answer the call. Why? Because, and here it goes, this is what my mom shared with me all long ago. She said, the safest place you can be where is in the will of God. So if that will of God is me being a missionary halfway across the world, and I decide not to go, guess what? It's more dangerous for me to stay here in the States than it is for me to go overseas. My computer shut off. Came back on. This is one of them weird computers where it flips around. They call it the yoga I can't do yoga like that. 
But I wanted to hang my, the towel so many times. I just wanted to say, no, God, I'm, I, I just don't want to do it. I love you, God, but I just want to stay here in the United States. You know, almost every place we go, you, you know, not, not this past year, but in years past, it was, hey, America needs missionaries too. I'm looking at the missionaries in America. Right here. You guys are the, the field to everyone here in America. But the more I tried to put it off, the more God pushed me, pushed to have it the, His way, which of course is the right way. But you see, at some point, I had to realize that it was not about me, that my ignorance was for God's calling on my life was outweighing God's call on my life. In 2 Corinthians 1.10, we see that Paul had an understanding that God first sent his son to save us from our sins. We find that in the resurrection. Second, continued to deliver him from earthly trouble. And thirdly, was going to continue to deliver him. And how was this all going to be accomplished? Through the trust Paul had in the one who created him. So what was it in my life? I had a lack of trust. Point number three. This is the missionary point. You cannot stand alone. You cannot stand alone. But if we are going to talk about this life of faith, trusting in God each and every day, moving where he asks us to move, doing what he asks us to do, you cannot do it alone. I had someone uh, uh, just months ago say, I'm going to be, a, you know, a couple years ago, I'm going to be a missionary. Great, what organization are you with? Oh, I'm going alone. That doesn't work. That just doesn't work. Why? Because who's praying for you? Who's praying for you? You see, Paul and the Corinthians had built a relationship together. One of love and of trust. And this is important to see because without this relationship, Paul, excuse me, Paul could not go on to say such words later in this chapter as that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And then later in this book, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. That is powerful. That is powerful. That is so amazing. That relationship had been formed. Obviously, we know that the relationship was not perfect because if it was perfect, then these epistles wouldn't be written, right? There were those that, in, uh, that were sinning and Paul was holding them accountable. But isn't this how it's supposed to work? So many Christians today think that they can sit on home on a Sunday morning and not go to church. Although we're not told or commanded to go to church on Sunday morning in the scriptures, we are instructed to have friends in fellowship that are like-minded. You see, we strengthen in our Christian friendships. A statistic that I found on the internet says, you ready for this? That out of all the adults that do not attend church, 37% say they practice their faith in other ways. 23% say they haven't found a place of worship that they like. This is why they don't go to church. 18% say they don't like the sermons. 22% say they don't attend. This is the best one. Because of logistical reasons. Then, of course, the rest, 28% say they, that they are not Christian. 
That's a big deal. That's a big deal. These, are, these people, they're just not going to church and they're not getting that, that friendship and that fellowship that they're supposed to have. But what all these people who claim to be Christians need is that fellowship. Knowing that there is someone praying for you goes a long way. Holding each other accountable only helps in our Christian walk. Guys, I can't explain to you perfectly how it went, but we were, overseas, where we were headed overseas a little over a year ago. And we were traveling with two kids on an airplane, two 12-hours, two 12-hour airplane trips. Can you imagine that? Two, two kids that was like one was two and one was one, not even one yet. It was absolutely hectic. But one thing that I can tell you is I felt every prayer that, some, that they were, people were praying for us. We felt every prayer. Praying for you is just necessary. Flip over to Philippians chapter 1. We're almost done, don't worry. Don't worry. Whenever I'm up here, sometimes the books of the Bible get confused in my mind. I'm like, wait, where's Philippians again? Philippians chapter 1. I love this. This is one of the, one of the best uh, examples in all of Scripture of relationship. Starting in verse 3. I thank my God in every remembrance of you. Always in, in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Then you can't have these verses right here without the next two. My favorite, these are some amazing verses. Or next three, verses three through six. Start, well, ver, yeah, starting, no, no, excuse me. Ver, starting in verse seven. We just read three through six. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are, are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. What a testimony we have here of relationship, relationship between missionary, which was Paul, and the church, Philippi. This is how it's supposed to work with missionaries. You see, the sending churches are the prayer support for those that are being sent. Without the prayer support, missionaries could not do what they are doing what a blessing we have in our relationships at church and our Christian life. But it goes the other way around. The churches that send the missionaries should also tell the missionaries of the, the prayer requests and things that they can pray for them as well. So as our family embarks on this journey for the Lord, we desire relationships with those that will pray for us daily as we will pray for them daily. We desire those that will hold us accountable as we will hold them accountable. But it starts with those that are not ignorant, but recognize their calling. It takes an understanding that it is not our strength, but the strength of the Lord, Jesus Christ, as we step out in faith. And finally, it takes, a, as, takes like-minded brothers and sisters in the Lord to encourage, support, and pray for those that they call their Christian friends. But before we close here today, notice the final words back in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1. Let's just repeat that. Verse 11.
you also joining or helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted us through many. It is always about Jesus Christ. Without our acknowledgement and our obedience towards our calling, without stepping aside to allow Christ to step in, and without Christian fellowship and accountability, we cannot successfully spread the gospel of the grace of God, or at least not for long. Um, <clears throat> I have our presentation up on the screen. If, uh, if you can just, um, just put that first slide up and then... <clears throat> Yeah, there we go. Sanders to Malaysia. Uh, I, I will have this on my computer back on the table if you want to go through. It's like just a, a little PowerPoint presentation. You can just uh, watch it go through. But we will be back at the end uh, of the service uh, for any questions that you might have. You, I'm going to pray. Let me pray and close you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you and lift you up. God, you are amazing. You are the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Lord, and we just love you and thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, God, that, that uh, this church has allowed us to come here and to fellowship with these uh, wonderful saints, Lord. Just be with us today in this time of fellowship after the church, Lord. And, and I just pray for uh, the future of this church, Lord. I pray for strength, uh, integrity in their decisions, Lord. And, and we just love you and pray all of these wonderful things in your precious and holy name. Amen.